Hey, you know, today we're, uh, we're looking at friendship again, and in a short series just called We All Need Friends. And I couldn't help but be reminded, and we're going to be reminded of it today, that uh, friendships can be incredibly, incredibly messy. Would you agree? In fact, I don't think there's a relationship you and I, any of us have, that isn't a mess in some way, shape, or form, including our relationship with the Lord in our sin. But as I was thinking about the mess relationships can create, I thought of some of the top country songs of all time. Well, these are country song titles. I don't know that they're actual songs, but they they would make good songs, good country songs. Uh, How can I miss you if you won't go away? You're the reason our kids are so ugly. She got the gold mine, I got the shaft. If, if you don't leave me alone, I'll go and find someone else who will. <laughs> I like this one. Uh, my John Deere was breaking your field while your dear John was breaking my heart. See what they did there? We'll flip it. John Deere, dear John. And uh, my wife ran off with my best friend, and I sure do miss him. <laughs> Would you agree that relationships can just be a huge mess? Even the best of relationships that you and I have, the best of friendships, can just be a huge, huge mess. And they're really, really hard. And so uh, today as we continue in this series talking about the fact that we do all need friends. It's a core value of our church. We all need friends. It's how God's created us and designed us for relationships. Um, as we do, I'm going to actually be pulling a lot of application today and a lot of uh, the message really out of a book by a guy named Paul Tripp and Tim Lane. And they wrote this book called Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. And I read it a long time ago. I've, I've been reading it again now this week. And there's just a lot of good things that came out. And I decided, you know, I, I think that's maybe some of the things we need to hear today and that might be helpful for us. So, so that's where we're going. Does that sound good? Uh, With that, uh, we're going to jump around in Scripture quite a bit, but um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in and talk about this, relationships that that, uh, I believe they really are worth the mess. Let me pray. Father, thanks for Jesus, and thank you, uh, Lord, that that you love us, that you decided it was worth the mess to come and uh, put on flesh to live among us, to save us and redeem us when you knew, uh, Lord, we would never... uh, live up to the standards that you've put in front of us, but you loved us so much that you took the risk, you took the step of entering in to redeem us and save us and have relationship and friendship with us. Lord, that's a model for how we ought to love and care for others as well. And so I pray this morning that uh, as we move through a, a lot of different things, you just, um, you'd open our eyes to, to maybe a couple things in our own lives that, that would be helpful for us as we look at uh, whether or not we're willing to take the risk and make a mess to have relationship and friendship with others like you designed. Pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. Lord, would you open our eyes to your truth? Holy Spirit, would you teach me and teach through me even as I teach? And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if any of these, uh, these phrases would ring true for you. I had such high hopes for our friendship. What went wrong? I thought I'd finally found someone I could trust. I can't believe you're questioning my integrity after all the things that I've done for you. 
It's not like I'm the only one who's failed in this relationship. You've hurt me too. You see, th- this is what you always do. You, you, you come, I come to you, and then you turn the table on me. You're so good at making other people feel guilty for their failures. You never told me you couldn't say any, I couldn't say anything about what you shared with me. I didn't know you'd be so sensitive about it. Why does it always have to go here? We can't even have a discussion about the weather without it ending in accusation. Do any of those sound familiar to you? And there's a whole list of other statements and things like that that we could probably bring up that we've had those messy experiences in in relationships with people that we would say we love and that love us. And then on the flip side, though, what about some of these? These are the things we long and and that we cherish when they are true. Hopefully you've had some of these be true for you, too. Man, I can't believe you would do such a cool thing for me. It's so encouraging that I didn't have to go through this alone. So encouraging. Yeah, you know, when we first met, neither of us had any idea what God would do through our friendship. Have you ever experienced that maybe with someone? Um, You know, maybe you've experienced this one. What what I appreciate is that while it hasn't always been easy, you've been committed to dealing with our problems and disagreements in a constructive way, and your honesty is refreshing. You know, relationships, every relationship you and I have is messy. There's a part of it where there's uh, really bad. There's part of it where there's really good. And there's everything in between on that whole continuum. But I would contend that every single relationship you and I have, in some way, to some degree, is a bit or a lot messy. I mean, think about your best relationship. Who's your, um, who's your closest friend? Who's the person who knows you best, who, who you feel uh, you trust the most? Think of that person. Now, um, if you're having difficulty even thinking of somebody, you've kind of proven the point already, right? But, but think of that, that person and ask yourself some of these questions about that relationship. Have you ever felt misunderstood in that relationship? Have you ever been hurt by what the other person said? Have you ever felt like uh, you haven't been heard? Have you ever been betrayed in that relationship? Have you ever had to work through a misunderstanding or have you ever disagreed on a decision? Have you or has the other person ever held a grudge? Um, Have you ever experienced loneliness even when things are going well in that relationship? Have they ever let you down? Have you ever doubted if they really love you or care about you? Have they ever doubted your commitment? Have, Have you ever struggled to resolve a conflict with them? Have you ever thought, if I'd only known? Chances are that even your best relationships, there's a lot of those questions and a lot of those statements that ring true. Is that true? It's true for me. That that to some degree, even your best relationships have some mess in it. And last week we saw that our need for relationship, it's rooted in the Trinity. It's rooted in the fact that that God is triune, Father, Son, and Spirit. And he's in constant relationship and loving community with himself. And so we've been created in his image. So we're created needing and longing for and desiring relationship. 
That's a good thing. That's a good thing. In fact, you can't totally image God on your own. You need to be in community, in relationship, in friendship with somebody else to really be everything he's created you to be. And it was so important that God uh, ends his creative work by creating Eve, by creating relationship. And that's like the crown jewel of his creation when Adam and Eve are created in friendship and relationship with one another. But as I mentioned, all of our relationships are messy because in Genesis 3, they sin and we have all sinned and we mess it all up. And what we do is we flip it on its head and see God designed everything so that it would turn our hearts and point our hearts to him. But in sin, what we do is we try to uh, take what's lacking that would be meant to draw us to him. And we look at that thing that's lacking and we get it and we try to worship it for ourselves and make it an idol. And so relationships go sour and relationships become a mess when we believe that our friendships or relationships or other people is the end and not the means to the end. See, God designed Adam and Eve and he gave Adam Eve so that in relationship together, they would be drawn closer together and ultimately closer to God and imaging him and being like him in the way that he designed them to be. But when they sinned, what happened? All of a sudden now there's, there's enmity between them. There's conflict. There's division. And there's different agendas for each of them. And when the other person doesn't meet that agenda, then they're disillusioned. And what's happened is what was meant to be a means to the end of glorifying and worshiping and knowing Jesus, knowing God, has now become the end. And it's lacking. Does that make sense? So even in your best relationships, because you and I are sinful, even if you've been saved by Jesus and have been redeemed and made clean and made new, the reality is there's still sin around until Jesus comes and and wipes it all out completely and makes us totally pure and clean. So in that meantime, in that in-between time, in our mess, in our sin, there's, there's messiness in our relationships, to put it mildly. We desire good relationships, don't we? Do you desire good relationships? I do. Man, I, I hate when a relationship goes sour. I, it just it, it churns inside of me, and I, I, I hate it. I desire good friendships, close friendships, but in my sin, a lot of times I push them away. Do you do that? Or I make them more than they ought to be. See, one of the things that's curious, you've heard maybe this quote before from C.S. Lewis, but I think it applies to our relationships as well. C.S. Lewis, uh, a famous author, theologian, and um, he, he writes this. He says, our Lord finds that our desires are not too strong, but they're too weak. See, God's actually the one who's put that desire for relationship and friendship within you. And I think this quote from Lewis applies here to those desires. You might have a strong desire for relationship and for friendship, and it's not that that desire is too strong, but it's too weak. Uh, We're half-hearted creatures. We fool around and about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. See, the desire God's put in you for relationship, ultimately, yeah, it's, it's relationship with one another, but towards what end? Not just that relationship, but towards your relationship with God. That, that you would be closer to him and more like him and, and more like Jesus. 
that your full identity of who he's created you to be could be fulfilled. And your desire in only wanting like healthy, like comfortable relationships with other people, it's not that that's too strong, it's too weak. Your desire needs to be for right relationship with God, with your creator. And then those other relationships start to fall into place. He goes on uh, at another time, uh, Lewis says, when I've learned to love God better than my closest friend, then I'll love my closest friend better than I do now. Insofar as I learn to love my closest friend at the expense of God and instead of God, then I'll be moving towards the state in which I'll, I'll never love them again at all. Because when first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but they're increased. What you're going to see this morning, you, do you want to you see your friendships develop with other people? Your friendship with God needs to develop. And when that increases, then your relationships with others will increase because he's changing you. And now it's a means to the, to the true end, not the end in and of itself. And we're all tempted to do that. And that's what makes our lives so messy and our relationships, I should say, so messy. See, every relationship you have is messy. And the problem, the problem in your relationships is internal. Now, I really wanted to say, but it would have sounded really harsh. The problem in your relationships is you. <laughs> like the common denominator. You ever heard that joke? The common denominator in all my failed relationships is me. <laughs> See, the, the, and the problem is you, but it's not just you. It's you and them. A lot of times we think that our problem in failed relationships is always the other person. But the reality is it's an internal problem. It's in you. It's in me. That's where my relationships get messed up. That's why they're messy. It's, it's inside of me in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sin. Immediately, there's shame for the first time. They know they're naked. What do they do? We saw this last week. They, they hide from God. They hide from one another. Instead of drawing closer to God, now that they've sinned, there's this internal reality in them where they're messed up and they hide and abandon relationships. Friends, all, every relationship you have is messy. Everyone I have is messy. And the problem is me. It's internal. It's my sin. Because in my sin, I, I, I don't relate rightly to God anymore other than through Jesus Christ, right? And obviously, I don't relate to other people the way that God designed me to relate to other people. And it's the same for all of us. Our relationships now are messy, and the problem is in me, which is why I've got to seek out the Lord first and let him redeem me and make me new so I have any hope of healthy relationships. To the degree with which, to which God is changing and redeeming and making me new is the degree to which my relationships are going to grow and be healthy and be made new. Some of you have experienced this in big ways. Like God has been working in your life over the last few years where you've seen relationships restored. Why? Because of a relationship with God that was first restored. That's what's first. That's what's primary. And uh, one of the things I think might be helpful for you, and is helpful for me at least, so I'll share it with you. But um, it, when relationships become the end-all, be-all, when friendships become the end-all, be-all, become the end and not just the means... Um, 
we worship that as an idol. And so what we do is uh, we begin to, to worship other idols as well. And then our, our relationships flow around them instead of around God. Here's what I mean by that. You have certain relational drifts in, in who you are and how you relate to other people. Let me see if I can explain this. Uh, on the one hand, uh, see, we, we live on this continuum. We, we want to be isolated and protected from the harm and mess of relationships. And at the same time, we have this desire for healthy relationships. And so on the one end of the continuum uh, is like this idea or this feeling like I just, I want to be safe. You know what? I've had some relationships that are hard, that have hurt me. And so in wanting to be safe, what do I do? I run from a relationship or I put up a wall and I push people back. And, you know, you can get this close, but not any closer. And we isolate ourselves. Uh, Proverbs 18 verse 1 says that the person who isolates themselves is a fool and it's only to their own destruction. On the other end of the spectrum, to the other extreme, we can view relationships wrongly to where rather than relationships are the total problem all the time, that's on that end, relationships are the cure. (laughs) I cannot live. I need you in order to live. And we immerse ourselves in relationships in an unhealthy way. Do you see see that? Like on the one hand, we can isolate ourselves to our own detriment. On the other hand, we can immerse ourselves uh, into relationship to our detriment. It it reminds me of the quote, you know, there's there's nothing friendlier than a wet dog. And that when we have all of our issues and all of our mess and we just run towards people, give me, give me, give me, you know, like like Bob on What About Bob? Like, give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need. And we just, we, we immerse ourselves into those relationships. Now, we all have a drift. Those are the two extremes. I would contend every one of your relationships, every one of your friendships kind of drifts one way or the other. And chances are that the bulk of any issues you have in relationship are kind of bunched up on toward one side or the other. Now, there's kind of a healthy middle. Because there are times where you need to pull away and be safe. And there are people who do you harm. On the other hand, there are times you need to move toward relationship with people. And it's a good thing to be around people. And God put them in your life to bring healing and restoration to you. The problem is the extremes. And the extremes go like this. On the one side, you have independence. Where it's all me. Pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. I'm just going to stay here and do my thing. When you find yourself in that spot, it's incredibly unhealthy. And all of your relationships begin to be unhealthy. On the other side is not independence, running from people, but it's codependence, running to people. Like, I'm so dependent on everybody. And you're, in both cases, people are, in relationships are made to be the problem. And really, what's the problem? It's internal. It's my sin. And my inability to relate to people the way God desired. And if I find myself on this side, which, by the way, for me personally, my pull, my drift is completely this way. Now, different times in my life, it's been the other way. But last five, six years, it's been this way. And by God's grace, he's shown me some of that. And I'm trying to work out of that. But uh, on this side, it's like, here's what you need to hear. You need to be less fearful if this is you. You need to be less fearful. I need to be less fearful at times of being known 
and being in relationship and friendship. On the, on the flip side, if this is you over here and you're running to relationship and codependence, you need to be more realistic. Those people aren't going to cure everything for you. Jesus is. Jesus is. See, and the, the problem is internal because we, we make relationships the end and we dart to one side or the other, but if they're the means, we, we go up towards Jesus. And there's a battle internally between what I want and what God wants. Do you experience that? Like, I, I know God wants me to be in healthy relationship with people and, and they would draw me towards him, but, but I want to be safe or I want uh, to be with people. And in both cases, by the way, both cases, the problem is, again, to quote back to Lewis, you know, that our desires aren't too strong but too weak. We're seeing people and relationships bigger than God. God has become small and people have become big. When in reality, God has to be big and people and relationships made small. See, God's made you for friends and for friendship. And it's a mess that's worth making. The problem in that messiness is internal. James says it like this. Jesus' little brother, he writes, What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Isn't it this, that your passions are at war within you? That on the one hand, you want what you want. On the other hand, you want what God wants. Paul talks about this in the end of Romans, or end of middle of Romans, excuse me, end of Romans 7. That what I want to do, I don't do. And what I do do is what I don't want to do. And there's this, there's this war within me. And friends, this, this boils down into every area of our lives, including this need and desire for relationship and friendship. God's created you for friendship. What I think might be worth uh, taking a little bit of time to do, we'll move quickly, but if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to have it up on the screen as well. So, And I'm going to actually read from uh, uh, the New International Reader's Version, which is just a very readable translation of Scripture. A lot of times I uh, use it with our kids and our kids' ministry. Um, but... You know, internally, I'm, I'm warring with, with what I feel and what I see and what I want for relationships. And I think in Ephesians 4, we get a glimpse of God's intention for relationships and friendships to make us more like Jesus. Uh, in Ephesians, uh, the first three chapters are all about who God's created you to be. And then the last three chapters are all what he tells you to do. So here's how he's telling us how to live as his people. He writes this. He goes, I'm a, I'm a prisoner because of the Lord. So I'm asking you to live a life worthy of what God chose you for. Don't be proud at all. Be completely gentle. Be patient. Put up with one another in love. The Holy Spirit makes you one in every way. So try your best to remain as one. Let peace keep you together. See right there in verse 3, let the Holy Spirit make you one. Maintain your translation if you have open the ESV or something like that. It might say maintain the unity of the Spirit. Paul wants, says our relationships aren't something that we should take for granted. We're to maintain the peace we have with each other through Jesus. To maintain it. 
If you're a Christian, you're automatically in relationship with other Christians. And you're united to them because you're united to Christ. He says to make every effort. Try your best in this translation to remain as one. Make every effort. Paul isn't naive that the unity of of a relationship is hard work. Corporately as a church and individually with one another. Would you agree? It's not easy. It's hard work. That's why you need the Spirit. But have you ever noticed how unsatisfying or distasteful a relationship can be when it becomes hard work? That's a, that's a red flag for you and for me to go, okay, then my idol is comfort right there. And I'm not really loving people. But Paul says, uh, the Holy Spirit makes you one in every way, so try your best. Uh, make every effort to remain at peace, to remain as one. Let peace keep you together. Uh, in the ESV, it says, be humble, gentle, patient, forbearing in love. See, Paul, Paul leads with these, uh, these character traits that are the opposite of what often drive our relationships. He goes on, verse 4, there's, there's one body, there's one spirit. You were appointed to one hope when you were chosen. There's one Lord, there's one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father of all. He's over everything. You notice a word repeated in there? One. <laughs> Paul's desire is for us to have unity in our relationship with one another. For you to have unity in your relationship with other people. But if, if your relationship is the idol and not, you're not worshiping the Lord, if it's an end rather than a means, it's never going to happen. He's over everything. He's through everything. He's in everything. Over seven. We'll keep moving here. But to each one of us, he's received each, excuse me, but each one of us has received a gift of grace, just as Christ wanted us to have it. That's why the scripture says when he went up to his place on high, he led a line of prisoners. He gave gifts to people. What does he went up mean? It can only mean that he also came down to the lower earthly places. The one who came down is the same as the one who went up to, up higher than all the heavens. He did it in order to fulfill, in order to fill all of creation. He's the one who gave some the gift to be apostles. He gave some the gift to be prophets. He gave some the gift of preaching the good news. He gave some the gift to be pastors and teachers. In other words, Paul's saying that in your unity, there's also going to be diversity. You're not unity isn't everybody being the same. Unity is everybody being who God created you to be. That there would be unity among all of you. We're going to be starting a series in February. Um, called. Uh, we're going to look at Jeremiah and his life and God's design for him. And how God created him for a specific purpose. He designed him in a unique way. We're going to be talking about that for all of us. And the unity isn't everybody being the same, but it's, it's diversity. And that's not an obstacle, but it's, it's God's means toward the end. Why? So that the body would be built up. So that we would all grow together. So that we'd all grow into who God created us to be. And relationship is God's means toward that end. He goes on in verse 17. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm speaking for the Lord as I warn you. You must no longer live like those 
who aren't Jews. Their thoughts don't have any purpose. They can't understand truth. They're separated from the life of God. That's because they don't know him. And they don't know him. They don't know Jesus because their hearts are stubborn. They've lost all feeling for what is right. They've given themselves over to the evil pleasures of their bodies. They take part in every kind of unclean act. They always long for more. But that's not what you have learned about Christ. I'm sure you've heard of him. I'm sure you were taught by him. What you learned was the truth about Jesus. You were taught not to live the way you used to. You must get rid of your old way of life. That's because it's polluted by longing for things that lead you down the wrong path. You were taught to be made new in your thinking. You were taught to start living a new life. It it is created to be truly good and holy, just as God is. So each of you must get rid of your lying. Speak the truth to your neighbor. We're all parts of one body. Scripture says when you're angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't, Don't give the devil a chance. Those who've been stealing must never steal again. Instead, they must work. They must do something useful with their own hands. Then they'll have something to give to people in need. Don't let any evil talk come out of your mouths. Say only what will help to build others up and meet their needs. Then what you say will help those who listen. Don't make God's Holy Spirit sad. He marked you with a seal for the day when God will set you completely free. Get rid of all hard feelings, anger, and rage. Stop all fighting and lying. Put away every form of hatred. Be kind and tender to one another. Forgive each other, just as God forgave you because of what Christ has done. See, Paul lays out what relationships would look like according to God's rules. He identifies the tendencies of our heart to sin. See, in our our sinfulness, that internal struggle, our tendency is towards self-indulgence, towards what I want, not what would be best for someone else. It's toward deceit, manipulating other people to get what I want out of a relationship. Towards anger. I want to control a relationship and a friendship towards my end. Towards selfishness to protect what I have rather than offer it to you. Towards unhelpful communication, using my speech rather than using my speech to make you feel better and grow in your relationship with the Lord. Friends, we're all tempted by some of these tendencies. And Paul lays out there, if we had more time, we'd unpack more of that. But uh, we will a little bit next week. Paul lays out uh, what that looks like then to have those healthy relationships. But listen, your relationships are messy. And it's because of the internal struggle within you. And the only way for that to be made right is in Jesus Christ. And after that's made right, then some of those things Paul talked about, the hows of true relationship and friendship, which we'll talk about next week begin to come out because we're tempted to make relationships either less or more than they should be. We have that battle within us. See, the problem is internal, but the cure is external. I already said it, but uh, the cure for your failed relationships isn't uh, some self-help book giving you all the tips and tricks of how to be a you know, in a better friendship or better relationship. Those things might be helpful to a degree. But if you really want things to be healthy, listen, your cure is external. It's not digging deeper internally into the mess. It's turning to Jesus Christ who would come and make you new and make you clean and give you the ability to have healthy relationships. 
Because you can't change your relationships without changing yourself. And the only one who can change you is Jesus. You know, at some point, maybe you've wondered a little bit, are, are healthy relationships, our friendships, are they worth it? You ever had a friendship or a relationship or somebody in your life like that? And you go, is it worth it? I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if being part of the church anymore is worth it. Ever felt that? I'm telling you, it is worth it. It is. And that scripture offers a clear hope. See, you might leave depressed, right? If we just stop there. Like, yeah, your relationships are all messed up and it's all your fault. It's like, that's a, well, that was a fun message, Josh. Thanks. Tell me something I don't know. Well, the, the truth is this, that Scripture offers clear hope for your relationships. If the challenge of healthy friendships and healthy relationships leaves you discouraged, the, the Bible is incredibly honest about the fact that it is hard and also about the fact that, that God entered in to relationship with you to reconcile not only your relationship with him but with others. The shattered relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the cross really provides the basis for our reconciliation. No one else suffered more in a relationship than, than God himself did. When Jesus is on the cross and he says, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The worst of the worst that you've experienced relationally, I'm telling you, that in that moment of separation, when Jesus is on the cross... God experienced it to a greater degree. And he knows and he cares and he offers a solution. See, Jesus was willing to be the rejected son so that our families would know reconciliation. He was willing to become the forsaken friend so that we could have loving friendships. He was willing to be the rejected Lord so that we could live in submission to one another. The forsaken brother so that we could have godly relationships. To be the crucified king so that we could have peace. He reconciles us to God, and that's the foundation for reconciling us to one another. If you wonder why bother, it's because God did. And friends, I'm I'm telling you, as you put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, that's the starting point. Get in his word. Look more fully in the face of who Jesus is. Get to know him. Let his spirit change you and reconcile your relationship with him. And I'm telling you, when that's first, when first things are first, as Lewis said, uh, the secondary things or secondary relationships aren't diminished, but they're actually increased. And you'll begin to see healing in your friendships and relationships. And that's why we want you to get into a life group. Because in a life group... You spend time in relationship with one another, learning to do life, learning to laugh with one another, love with one another, cry with one another. And you learn to have that relationship with Jesus be first. Because your entire unity together as a group is based not on just being friends and hanging out and being pals, but on getting to know Jesus. It's the means to the end, not the end in and of itself. Get connected. Trust Jesus get connected. Let me pray. We're going to sing and call it a morning. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks 
for your grace to us. And Lord, I, I pray for each one here, for myself too, Lord. Our, our friendships, our relationships are messy because we're messy. But we praise you and thank you that, Jesus, you uh, came and uh, lived the life we couldn't. You died in our place on the cross in order to reconcile us first, God, to you, and secondarily then to one another. Lord, you gave us friendship and relationships so that we could uh, better be who you created us to be. And while our sin messes it up, you fix it in Jesus. So help us to trust you, to love you, to know you. And I pray you would restore friendship and relationship uh, in each of our lives. Lord, as you draw us to be more and more uh, like you and closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.